Hello, welcome back to Out of Our Heads, a comics and pop culture podcast from the minds of Joe Bordner and the recently deceased Nick Protopapis. Hello, coming to you with crisp, clear afterlife sounds. Uh, I don't know if you can hear the difference. I don't know oh yeah, they've, they've got great microphones in the afterlife. I don't know if you can tell, but I've totally changed my recording quality. Um, <coughs> Excuse wh- whoa? me. What? Um, I'm also in the afterlife, but I'm in I'm in hell, um, and uh, Nick's in heaven because he uh, was a Christian and I'm Jewish. It's a long story. Oh, um, so the Christians were sort of right about the whole deal. No, it was the Hindus, except they give you know more leverage to Christians. It's a it's a weird story. I don't want to get into it right now. I'm Ben. Okay. I'm in um. Where am I right now? I'm coughing because there's a lot of smoke. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and uh, I don't know. I'm in some sort of fiery pit. Uh, I don't know. I'll let you. I'll let you guys. Oh, hey man, what's that? Sorry, that's my friend. Um, Sisyphus. Um. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm cutting all that because it wasn't funny. Uh, yeah, even... that, that sucked, dude. You, you don't have the chops. <laughs> Tell us where you were. Five first, you were like, "I'm in hell," and then you were like, "Where am I again?" <laughs> it is awfully hot. <laughs> Second rule of improv is say no to Ben. <laughs> Ben, we've invited you on the show today, um, as we did last year for our last episode of the year, um, to discuss something of your choice. Uh, we'll get into that later, um, but you know, this is our one non-comic episode in the new phase of the show. I'm sorry, um, are we maintaining that that was Ben's choice, <laughs> even though we <laughs> force-fed force it down his throat? Um, despite that, I, I suppose Ben did choose it, quotes. Um, and next year, Ben... Um, if you've been very good next year, we'll let you get a whole nother choice. All to yourself. Wow. Maybe you guys can tell me to watch another bad movie. That'll be fun. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Um, Joe, I think I think we might need to cut all of Ben out of this. No wonder he's in hell. What is going on? Bad movie? All right. Let's... Wait, we're talking about Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, right? Oh, no. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, you've done a little. You've done a little callback. What, what movie did you guys watch for today? Oh, we well, you didn't watch the. I mean, I certainly didn't watch the expanded edition to Rise of Skywalker now on Blu-ray. Oh, they made one of those. Yeah, it's, mean, it's kind of like the old one, except it's they've got more bad scenes in there. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. They so actually, it's just sort of more incomprehensible. Yeah, it's kind of like like in the middle, like right after Chewie dies, there's like it's like oh, Jabba is actually alive, and um, they have a scene where Jabba has become a beautiful uh, butterfly. I was looking for a pun. I guess there isn't one. Uh, Jabba fly, and he he comes and threatens the characters for about two moments. Yeah, yeah. Does he um, does he like give up his evil ways or? Oh no, he actually he hypnotizes everyone with his newfound butterfly powers and. Um, a bunch of the characters you know like reveal like secrets and like love for each other um but then he also makes them forget and he goes on after they mm-hmm. defeat him but i can i can see why they cut that for the final version of the movie um it probably would have provided some resolution for some characters mm-hmm. but it also was probably you know a bit too irrelevant 
one thing that I really liked about the expanded edition of Rise of Skywalker, which we watched for this episode, <laughs> is that um, is that Palpatine keeps like giving long speeches about like his past and like what he's been doing this entire time, but he still mm-hmm. never actually explains like how he came back. He's just, he's like, oh, and that one day I went to the grocery store and I found eggnog. I hate eggnog, <laughs> but he says it in like his Palpatine voice. Right. And then how, he like, how does he sound? Yeah. Does he sound he like, like that? Now tells the year about the, the story of Darth Plagueis, the wise. He like tries to turn them to the dark side, but the cashier was baby Yoda. So oh. he's like still a light sider. Oh. oh, I see. Um, yeah, I've actually blocked everything from that movie out of my memory. Um, except of course, Jabba Fly, which mm-hmm. remains ever still in my in my in my mm-hmm. melon. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of bizarre. I think I think the Rise of Skywalker extended cut could probably be compared pretty easily to the the Snyder cut of Justice League, which is something that people campaigned for for many years and is now coming out this year. Mm. Um, it's a lot, and and you know, I think the difference between the Rise of Skywalker extended cut is that no one campaigned for it, um, and yet it exists, and it's five hours long and we all watched it for this episode no i mean i thought it was really great just to expand on some of the original trilogy stuff you know where Mm -hmm. where jabba is a character and just you know even call back to some of the animated stuff and bringing stinky back (laughs) oh i loved (laughs) it i was so happy when stinky showed up when he showed up as part of the jedi montage yeah yeah i I got so emotional i stood up in my home because that's how we watch new movies now and i stood up and i said i said this this is fan service and i I paused and i i went away because i was just so overwhelmed by stinky returning to the when when stinky showed up Mm. in uh in rise of skywalker the extended cut Mm -hmm. i i I, that was the moment that i knew that jj abrams got star wars mm, and that yeah. he he could finish things despite mm-hmm. what some may say that he really knows how to pull out new things to help them put old <laughs> things to bed like yeah Stan. i mean we, we we dished on jj abrams so much last year and mm. i'm so glad that like he proved us wrong he mm. really yeah yeah changed star yeah. wars with the star wars rise of skywalker extended edition and also i know like nick you talked about it last week but um, the Mandalorian, you guys are keeping up with because there's a special character who was in the end of the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Stinky. Stinky showed up again. He was there again. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, some may say they're oversaturating the stinky market by putting him in <laughs> yeah. franchises. Not I. You know, I really, because he's, he, you know, he's a totally different character in all eras of Star Wars. It's and true. I really like how they're bridging it all together um, by showing not only. So much. Exactly, he's changed so much. Now he's a beautiful Jabba fly, um, and can take guys <laughs> with his beautiful wings, um, which we always knew he could. You know, we saw that light yeah. hope of him in the in the Clone Wars movie, and we saw it develop in the Mandalorian as he, I don't know, does something, whatever he did, reveal himself, um, and you know, we see it conclude. No spoilers. No spoilers. No, no spoilers. Um, yes, and we see it sort of conclude and help Ray on her journey. Um, to feed Emperor Palpatine. To feed out, you know, he's very hungry, so... Yeah, yeah I think I think it actually does, you know, now, now that you're saying this, it does fix a lot of problems with the original movie, because originally there was this problem of, in Last Jedi... We yeah, there was this huge of, problem, it's like, where is Stinky? Like, there was a yeah. huge gaping problem in the fandom. Everyone so, so, the, so the question is, like, you know, in Last Jedi, Rey was established to be a nobody, that was a big thematic thing, 
Um, and in this movie, we find out that, of course, Stinky is actually her father. Um, yeah. And <laughs> which <laughs> sort of fulfills. <laughs> yeah. Sort of. Go ahead, Joe. You know, I, I think I think I know what you're saying. Go ahead. Um. Yeah, it sort of it. it sort of pleases both camps because you know she has a significant parentage, um, but also she's still a nobody. And it's yes, also, exactly. If, yeah. you, if you really think about it, I mean, a hero can come from anywhere. Like we all thought Stinky. that the prequels were bad when they came out, and there's been some there's been some effort to really um, revitalize those in recent years. Like a lot of people, you know, think the Clone Wars finally made the prequels good. You know. I wasn't as huge on that, but when I watched Rise of Skywalker Extended Edition, I realized that like the inclusion of Stinky in this final chapter makes the prequels better. Because if you remember, Stinky was actually Anakin's friend. And it just adds to the story of betrayal. Yes, he begrudgingly yeah. And like it adds so much more depth to Kylo Ren, too, because he's like when he sees Stinky, he realizes, oh, this isn't just uh Ray's father, he's also my grandfather, Darth Vader's friend, you know, his closest friend, some would say. So Stinky really, he changed the game. I'm impressed. Yeah. Bravo, JJ. Bravo. I'd also add that, you know, in introducing... St- <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't have anything. No, no, no. It's, it's, the sun is getting real low. And it's, it's high time to be done with this stinky bit that we are, oh, yeah. no one we have been talking about stinky for 10 minutes. <laughs> it's time to move on. Ben, uh, you're our special guest this episode. Um, oh, am I? Do you have a thing for us that is not a made-up movie? I have a thing for you that is a TV show that nobody watched, uh, which is as close as I can get to a made-up movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to be talking about My So-Called Life again as nick talked about um a couple weeks ago i i love my so-called life i uh i don't know i guess i should introduce it right sure okay so my so-called life was a short-lived 19 episode not even a full season at the time um 1994 teen drama um by winnie holtzman who eventually went on to create wicked among other things um and it's dare I say the best teen drama that I've ever seen in my entire life, not to mention probably one of the best TV shows I've ever seen in my life. It it fulfills kind of all of the, um, the hopes and dreams that I've always had for this very specific genre of television, which I've always known could be great because I knew that my life as a teenager was so intricate and complex and uh in intriguing obviously to people who weren't me um so i realized that you know this could probably be a good tv genre and what my so-called life does is that it it takes all that potential from you know every single person's teen life which is maybe a bit boring um and their actual life and it it makes it into this like um really intimate uh portrait of sort of just a a girl kind of living her life um, sort of among her friends and you kind of get to uh, see kind of various parts of this world and it's uh, really richly detailed um, and uh, I think it does a really good job at sort of making everything feel appropriately small 
and uh, appropriately big at the same time. So emotions sort of feel very large, but at the same time, like, you know, they're constantly reminding you that like uh, a lot of the stuff on this show is like not very important. Like Angela, you know, likes this guy and that's the plot for like, you know, maybe 10 episodes. And it's sort of like kind of, uh, you can watch this show in two ways. You can watch it as I'm really invested in the drama and you can also be like, man, these teenagers, they're, they're a bit ridiculous. Um, and that's, that's pretty funny. Um, and I kind of like to watch it both ways. Um, and it's sort of the, the best episodes of my so-called life sort of uh, balance that kind of two-pronged uh, sort of tightrope there. I don't know if that metaphor made any sense. I, uh, I think I understand. You know, another thing that's really great about it is the, the, the drama is just like really intricately done. Like you sort of just kind of understand where everyone's coming from. Mm-hmm. Everything that happens in that show like really means something to someone. Um, and it always like has some effect on the greater uh, story that they're telling. Uh, it's kind of like kind of like the Breaking Bad of teen television in a way. <laughs> where there's just consequences for everything. Uh, That's my pitch of my so-called life. I don't know if you have anything more to say on this, Nick. I'm going to, I'm going to come off of you a little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, having finished it, I I sort of enjoyed it more every, every episode because what happens is that you get so, so invested in the characters and it's interesting because it has this great character where kind of, like you said, like breaking bad, but in breaking bad, there's sort of, you know, character driven decisions towards a plot. But in this, the decisions are all, I mean, you know, small potatoes. Like, am I going to go out with, uh, you know, like you said, like, is she going to go out with what's his name? Or, you know, is dad going to cheat? Like, I don't know. Like, will he? Like, it, it's sort of very low stakes, but you get so, like, swept away in this little drama stuff that it it's incredible. And it becomes sort of more intense and more... It gets a reaction more out of you, at least for me, like, you know, when you start getting to that, that, that more realistic, you know, dramatic TV, it's like, ah, like, ah, I can't watch this. Like, it's so violent or this or that, or like, you know, I can't believe it can't, you can't really imagine it ever happening to you, I guess is the point. But, yeah. but in this, the characters are so down to earth that the problems they face are so personal to you. And you really start to feel them as if, if these characters are, are real people, um, and that's that's something very special. Uh, I think there's something to be said about how because you and I were talking about it after you finished watching it, and you know, you know, the, it's it's a very small fandom, so I'm going to start telling everyone to watch it ever. Um, yeah. And there's a very interesting Ben. Do you want to talk about the the sequel book at all? Oh man. Oh, you totally should. Sequel book. I don't know. I might be I might be making a video about this down the line, but the sequel book is called My So Called Life Goes On because of course it is. Um, and it's, you can't find it online. You can't find it anywhere. Um, except for if you want to shell out $200 for it, or maybe it's $110, something like that. But this is a paperback that originally sold for like $3 at like a, you know, a yard sale. It's, it's not like high art, you know, it's like (laughs) commonly regarded as like much worse than the series, but it is the only thing that continues the story of Angela and her friends. And in this book, from what Nick and I can gather after like hours of research, finding <laughs> summaries online, um, that, you know, I don't know, 
I guess this is the the what we have as the sequel. You know, this is the this is the ending, uh, for better or for worse. But but this book, which I believe was not intended as like totally actually a sequel. I think it was commissioned before the show was canceled, um, and it was meant as like kind of a side story within uh, the life of all the characters before season two came out and then it just happened to come out after the show ended um it features um you know the nerd character um has an affair with an older woman he pulls a graduate um and it's just it's it's so it's it's like so so strange yeah it's a funny situation because it's it's so expensive and sort of probably not very good in the end but totally totally um you know tempting i guess for it's fans. intriguing it's really intriguing especially after you finish the show you're like what happens next and this is the only thing that tells you or gives you an opportunity to see all right yeah <laughs> yeah does um does anyone want to hear about my special thing this week yeah i would love to all right i'll, I'll go a little fast but uh as, as everyone and their mother has i i recently watched queen's gambit which is <laughs> in the top 10 on netflix for a few months very long um and i think you two probably haven't watched it so this will be good to describe to you but it's a I limited series seven episodes they're all about an hour they vary quite you know a little but uh it's it, it's one of those things on netflix that functions as a very long movie um and especially this one, probably more than anything I've watched before as a limited series, it's it's very much you know one one narrative, one sort of you know she's she's building up, and then well I should explain a little. It's about Beth Harmon, a fictional person who in the fifties or in the sixties is a sort of genius genius at chess, and it's it's fun because it's it's a lady, so the the press and the Times can't deal with that, or they can, but you know they make it up to be something crazy. Um, and then she goes on to conquer, to destroy, or what's it? To She goes around and destroys everyone, uh, but slowly and she builds as a character. But it, it's a long movie is what it is. Um, in chess, yeah, did I mention that? It's chess. Uh, <laughs> anyways, yeah, it's, it's, it's super fun. It's really well made. There's, there's um, a really good soundtrack. You know, it's filmed very well. Everything is beautiful and it, you get really invested in the competition aspect of it. Sort of like you do any sort of, you know, movie where there's a final competition. You, you know what I mean? Where you get, you get, Oh, what's going to happen? Like, even if you know what happens, it's a little exciting, uh, which is a little bit, I, I guess impressive, right? At least I wasn't expecting it to be so exciting when it's chess and I, I don't understand chess. Like it's, <laughs> you know, if you put a chessboard in front of me and, just the computers move the pieces around like i'm not excited um but they do a good job you know they play the right music they they do the facial expressions of the player and you sort of just buy into it which is is pretty good i i guess it was easier than i expected um so it's got that aspect i'd say that it, it functions a bit like a movie and that the characters you know they work they work on a base level like as if it was a good movie but it, you don't get the sort of depth that you might from a you get a little more, obviously, because it's seven hours. But you know, it's not the depth that you might get from a regular series, um, and that's only the it's the, really the only thing I can fault it for um, is that you know it, it's sort of a very entertaining few hours if you've got the time, and it's it's exciting because of the matches, 
and it's it's very well made and it's got good character stuff. Um, the other only thing I could fault it for is that occasionally, just occasionally, uh, there's like a, a thing about the era that I'm just like, ah, uh, is that guy? Like, I'm obviously not an expert. Like, I'm a dumb viewer. You can trick me pretty easily. But the, mm-hmm. in, in, in the orphanage, because she's an orphan, of course, um, mm-hmm. there's a guy who gives out magic drugs and he's he's like wearing this shirt. And like this shirt bothered me more than anything in any movie or show ever. I was like, I was like, how is this man wearing that shirt in the 1950s? I was like, this this man, he looks like he just stepped out of an Allstate commercial. Like, I don't, like you should go see this because I don't know if it's just me. There's a couple of things like that that have bothered me throughout, but otherwise, it's like it's it's a pretty fun ride. I, I can't say I took it, you know, as seriously as some other things, but it was it was good. It was it was a good few hours, and it. I enjoyed myself, and I think you will too, which I don't know who I'm talking to because everyone has already watched it, obviously. Um, well, except for us. Yeah, I would, yeah, I'm late to the game, but you too. You yeah. Know, I think you would <laughs> I, like it. I mean, it's I fun. Think it's, I think it's next up, actually. I think I have nothing else to... Yeah, I mean, if you get like, sick or something, like, this is the show. Like, like you what did I, I, watch what did I do, right? I finished my so-called life. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So, so, so Nick, I, um, I have a piece of trivia for you. Which is that about a month ago, or a few be- or a few weeks back, mm. uh, there was sort of this thing that was going around on Twitter. A man a screenshot a man from, from outside of an Allstate commercial and became real. <laughs> okay, no. <laughs> it was a screenshot from Queen's Gambit. Okay, and there's a rack of comic books in the background. Okay, and they're from the mid 1980s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I that sounds very obscure yeah. and specific, and like no one cares. But I believe. Yeah. Probably a lot of stuff like that in this show. I mean, I just, I just thought you would appreciate that. I do appreciate it, Joe, because yeah. they did a bad job with that. They did a good job with anything else, but if I can notice, that means it's bad. You know. So just to be <laughs> clear, your review of Queen's Gambit is great show, terrible props department. Never, never hire these. People <laughs> no, I mean the props are good. Like the dresses, like the sets, like for the most part, it's good. It's just a couple, just a couple things, man. Overall, I give it like a like a ten out of ten in the entertainment department, and like a you know eight out of ten. I've never done actually. That's incredible. Have we ever done numbers on this show? We have not. <laughs> that's actually <laughs> incredible. But <laughs> so we have nothing to base this on. But I might give it like an eight out of ten in quality and a ten out of ten in entertainment. That's, wow, that's so funny. Um, I mean. Clearly, it's a very entertaining show, just because of the the popularity. Yes, as as are many things Netflix shoves down our throat. Um, yep. Anyways, lose your individuality. Watch Queen's Gambit. Thank you. That's all. <laughs> Join the collective. Speaking of streaming shows and collectives, uh, my thing this week is Star Trek Picard, uh, which is a show that came out earlier this year on CBS is streaming service. Um, it's about Picard, who's a character from Star Trek The Next Generation, which is, you know, an old show that you've probably heard of, but I, I think in the case of you two haven't seen. Um, and he's he's played by Patrick Stewart, which is the the significant thing. Um, and uh, it's 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 like 10 episodes. Uh, like you were saying, Nick, this is also a show that uh, follows the format of, of basically being a long movie uh, that has been split up into chunks. Um and uh, the, the premise is this, um, you know, about uh, 30 or so years ago, uh, Jean-Luc Picard was one of the most famous uh, Starfleet captains ever. And he was very cool and did a lot of 
uh, good deeds for the galaxy. They made a whole show about it. And he was uh, he was friends with an android named Data, who was the, the, the first sentient robot ever. Um, but but Data died on a mission in one of the movies. Uh, it was dumb, but now it's 20 years later um, and Picard is retired um, and he's still got a, a bunch of depression about it. Um, but everything changes for him when a mysterious girl shows up looking for him and he's got to assemble a new crew um, and go out into space and solve a mystery that might just relate to his dead friend. You know, I, I, I promise that it is, I think, pretty good. Um, and Patrick Stewart is in it and we all love him. Um, and this is a character that I think is is uh, pretty obviously very close to him uh, because he's coming back to, to do this show. Um, and, and he's, you know, a great actor. Whoa, he's great whoa, to watch. Whoa, whoa. Joe. The man yeah. hasn't had work in years. <laughs> you might like this character, but I think there's a financial aspect involved. Okay, you think that Patrick Stewart couldn't get any old man role he wants? <laughs> Joe, in 2019, he was in the movie The Kid Who Would Be King. Hmm. Okay, I take everything <laughs> back. <laughs> I completely failed to account for The Kid Who Would Be King. <laughs> no, I... Wait... Nick, I think the kid who would be king was like very well received. Really? Yeah, right. What are you saying to me, Ben? I I'm not thing? saying I've seen it. I just saw so many people who were like, the kid who would be king, surprisingly good. All right, okay. You, you go in with low expectations. It's the kid who would be king. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, I don't know. Has he been in any movies recently? Not that I know. You know. I mean, so, you know, he was he was in that X-Men movie, Logan, yeah, a few years count. ago. That does not count because uh, X-Men is dead now. Yeah. Well, I'm using that as a segue because I think this, this show has a premise that might at first seem similar to Logan. And I can kind of imagine a scenario where Patrick Stewart was like, yeah, give me one of those. <laughs> give me a Logan. Um, and it's a little bit like that, but I think a lot less like it would seem to be on the surface. Um, you know, uh... At its core, this is, uh, uh, I think, a pretty interesting kind of sci-fi mystery story set within the context of this franchise, but, like, not necessarily... Like, I don't actually think you need to watch the other, you know, bajillion Star Trek shows to understand what goes on in this one. Um, and I think it's better for that. A lot of the the, the dialogue, I think, is, is written in a, a pretty cool kind of prosaic way. Um, and, and so, you know, because it's a mystery story, um, and I think the the dialogue is often or at least can be layered it has moments of being like kind of stupid um but you know it, it a lot of the the stuff in this show is sort of built to imply around emotions and ideas um and i think that pairs really well with the main character who's kind of a guy that's kind of detached from the people around him um and i also think it sort of helps get you know hypothetical new viewers on board because you know, because the show does so much implying uh, kind of the background details from previous shows, like you could kind of view that as part of the mystery. Um, like, you know, if you go in kind of uh, not knowing anything about Star Trek, I think you could have a pretty fun time just sort of uh, deciphering the little clues they give you. You know, the big downside of this show is that uh, the, the ending is crap. Uh, the last two episodes are pretty stupid. Um, but the first eight, uh, are, are very good, I think. Um, 
And the show has at least a couple big, great, like, final moments, even though those last couple episodes aren't very strong. I think the other cool thing about it is that it's it's a show that sort of takes kind of the sci-fi premise very seriously um, in terms of world building. Um, like, it, and it does that in a way that a lot of other, I think, Star Trek shows sort of just accept that things exist and move on. And this show um, kind of takes a lot of the, the common concepts and says... Okay, well, if that's true, then, you know, wouldn't this also be true? And I think you get a lot of really interesting pieces of world building from that kind of ethos. And it feels mostly very carefully considered to me. Um, you know, uh, anyway, uh, besides the dumb ending, I would really recommend it. Uh, it's pretty short, short enough to watch on a, a free trial of CBS. Uh, and Nick, I think it will probably scratch, you know, the, this, the same kind of itch, or at least in the same area. The Battlestar Galactica uh, itched for you. Yo, you know, uh, you know how I feel about Battlestar Galactica. I've been yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> I hope it doesn't touch that itch. I guess, mm-hmm. but yeah, um, you know, uh, I think even if this craps out a little at the end, uh, there is a second season coming, so I'm hoping that it will bounce back well. Um, and I, I, I think that it tells a, a, you know, what is in my opinion. A, a pretty powerful story about what it means to be human and what it, you know, even means to be alive. Um, and so, so it's got like, you know, some rough edges, uh, but I, I, I would recommend it. I think you guys would get something out of it. And the more you talk, the more it sounds like Battlestar Galactica story about being <laughs> human shit ending. It's got rough edges. I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, sounds pretty cool. Definitely. If you're a fan as a newcomer, yeah. eh, that's fair like it seems like a big sort of return show like oh remember this guy like that seems yeah. to be the i remember the trailer from or the, whatever you want to call it from way long ago when it's like you know who i am that was sort of the whole pitch you know i think that's a fair assessment yeah all right cool yeah would you guys like to move on to our main event sure yes Ben, since you're our special guest today, would you do us the honors of introducing uh, our topic for today? Well, today we're talking about uh, the new Pixar movie, Soul. Yeah, I just I'd like to start off this conversation with um, a good old "I told you so" because um, mm. we were all talking before, and I said you guys should get excited, you guys should get really excited because every time a new Pixar movie rolls around, we all worry that it won't be as good or good at all. And we, we forget, and then we go watch it, and it's a magical experience. And mm-hmm. for me, I had a magical experience. How about you two? Uh, I, I, I liked it a lot. Uh, I think it's a rare movie that gets, you know, pretty much exclusively better as it moves on. Um, you know, not that it starts out bad necessarily, um, but, you know, I, I enjoyed it the more of it that I watched. Uh, and I think that's a good sign, generally. I I did have a magical experience. I thought this movie was was kind of just just awesome. Um, I thought the animation was maybe the best animation I've ever seen, and I thought um, I thought the uh, the general themes and the way it goes, I think, was just like incredibly insightful for a kids' movie and for pretty much any movie in general. I think. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah, uh, Nick, what were what were your thoughts? You know, beyond liking it. <laughs> um. Well, I'm just gonna introduce it a bit, actually. I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. We totally should. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is sort of a weird one because it was supposed to be in theaters, and it's one of those movies that's now on streaming. Uh, so it's on Disney Plus, and it was free, which was nice, and it was totally nice to watch it on Christmas for me. Um, but it was, you know, well, you know, Pixar for me is something very special, and I, I watched them all in theaters, you know, with my family, and you know, we always do, and the short before, all that stuff, you, you know, the whole thing. Um, so for this one, I tried to simulate that as much as possible, but it, it, you know, it's sort of failed a little, and that, and that sucks because. I feel like I would have enjoyed it so much more in the theaters. Um, totally. totally. Especially since it's just such a, like for me, the thing I would say is that it's like a huge, huge movie. Um, like it yeah. feels huge. Um, it feels like profound in a lot of places. Yeah. Um, and of course it's got like a black lead and a huge black cast. So it sucks that it's on streaming. And I was sort of feeling and thinking all of those things coming into the movie. Um, but in the end, I had a, I had a great time. Maybe we should talk about what the movie's about, Joe. What's yeah, about? yeah. Uh, this movie is about uh, Joe Gardner, who's uh, a musician, and I'm hoping that sharing a first name with him will not create problems during this discussion. Um, that was the number one thing I was worried about when I watched this movie. <laughs> oh no, they called him Joe again. Crap, crap, crap. Oh no, not, not again. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Joe is our lead, um, and he's a he's a middle school band teacher, uh, but he's feeling not quite fulfilled with with his life. Um, but you know, he he um, he just sort of got a, a promotion to be full time, uh, but you know, he's still not quite feeling it. Uh, he doesn't know if this is what he wants to do with his life. He wants to be a big real time musician, but suddenly he gets that offer to like play in an actual like jazz club um, and be the big cool he's always wanted to be, um, and. Uh, 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 then he dies. <laughs> he 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 falls into a sewer and uh, he dies. Um, and then he goes to this movie's imagined imagined version of the afterlife. Um, but he sort of screws it up by not wanting to be dead. Um, and uh, you know, then he gets roped into a plot of of meeting this uh, soul that uh, named Twenty Two uh, that does not want to like be alive. Uh, basically, uh, she, you know, doesn't want to <laughs> go into a body, um, because she comes from, I guess, the part of, uh, this afterlife, um, where it's kind of a, it's kind of a life preschool. Um, and the, the main premise is the two of them sort of, uh, you know, working out their various differences and problems in their lives, uh, while also, uh, realizing profound things about themselves. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. you know, right off the bat, that's a pretty strong pitch, at least for me. Like, you know, up to when he dies, I was like, "Yeah, I'm in with this." Uh, and then the 22 stuff, I was like, "Okay, I see where this is going." And that's like a pretty obvious, but also a very cool contrast of like, you know, like the guy who wants to be alive and the lady who wants to be dead. Um, and I, I just, or not dead, but you know, not alive, I guess is the is the thing. Um, and I just think that. Oh yeah, keep going. Just conceptually, that's very funny and intriguing. Um, yeah, go ahead, Ben. It's such a, it's such a, because um, I mean, basically, what this is, right? It's it's Pixar, uh, you know, going or or really, um, what's his face, uh, Pete Doctor, right? Um, yeah. And he goes, um, what do uh, what do children think about? You know, what do children really want to hear about? 
right? They go, uh, why are we doing any of this? You know, why are we living? Like, what, what is the point of any of this? Um, and, and doctors, like, children running around everywhere, you know, contemplating suicide. They're everywhere. I mean, it's crazy. It's just exactly, exactly what children have been thinking. Exactly. Uh, Nick, you, you, bring up a, you bring up a good point there, um, which I want to sort of interject, which is that this movie, you know, I, I don't want to position this as a joke because I don't think it's a joke in the movie. Um, and it shouldn't be a joke, but like, you know, the movie in terms of metaphor, like deals pretty directly with suicidality. Well, that's sort of what like, I was, that's kind of what I was getting to is this is like a, what's so funny and sort of intriguing about it at the same time is that this is like a children's movie that is, that is really just like asking the question, like, why do we want to be alive? Like, what is the point of all this? Yeah. It's, it's, it's trying to answer that. And I think it, you know, it, it really does come to a conclusion, which like, I think gets to what you were saying, Nick, like, this movie is really big. It's yeah. bigger than than most movies I've seen ever. No, I, I always I always automatically respect and enjoy not automatically enjoy, but I, I just I really like when movies are just like or anything is just like actually trying to deal with, hey, what's life all about? I think that's just so interesting and, and you know surprisingly untouched a lot of the time. Um, yeah. And I, I really do think that's great. Now there is a question. Because, you know, every time we talk about Pixar, anyone, anytime anyone has ever talked about a Pixar movie, you know, in discussion and review, anything as an adult, you, you say the sentence at one point, oh, and it's a kid's movie, but it's great for adults. So good. It's both. And I, <laughs> I think that we've, we've, we've finally come to the point where we actually have to ask, is this for kids? Um, I don't think it is. Because I think we finally sort of passed that point where I'm not sure that a child would enjoy this. I this is um, this is appropriate for kids, but I don't think like you know it's not a it's not a struggle they relate to. <laughs> Here's a question I have: Was um because I felt the same thing about Toy Story four. I felt like Toy Story four was really not a, a story that was you know what is a child getting out of this? You know, besides mm. seeing characters that they recognize. Well, right, Toy Story four is hilarious. Oh, absolutely. Oh, that's true. I guess I guess if that's your pitch, then. Like, you know, well, I'm not saying like, what does the kid think of? You know, I'm saying the kid sitting there in the movie chair. Is he having a good time? And I think that before right. the movie with Pixar, it's been like, yeah, for sure. And we finally this movie, I'm like, I'm not sure that if I was a kid, I would love this movie because it actually like I think, Joe, this is what you're saying about the beginning of the film. Um, it's not that funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think that's a that's a really accurate thing that you've surmised about this. Well, well, actually, you know, sort of to tie all these angles together, I th I think sort of an interesting, maybe even a growing pain um, that's kind of present in this movie is that the humor that is there feels very like like child targeted to me. Like I did not, I laughed maybe twice. Joe, um, as someone who has the exact humor of a child, I can tell you that it wasn't actually that funny. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. But, you know, like I, 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 you know, there was some funny moments. It's not like it was totally unfunny. Um, mm -hmm. But it's just in terms of like, like the things that I got out of it, and I think you two did too, were sort of the big meaning things and the beautiful moments in the movie, you know, looking at it. Um, in terms of humor, for me, it was kind of just Terry. Um, Terry's funny. Terry's like the celestial being, you know, after them trying to get Joe to be dead. Um, I thought that um, the scene in the barbershop was, was, uh, I think both funny, but also I think it was sort of grounded. I think it was only funny because we knew the characters at that point. 
I think it was funny Look, because it's not it like, there's some funny moments in the movie. It's not like that. It's just like overall, yeah. like if I was a kid and I was looking for laughs or whatever, I, I wouldn't be fully satisfied. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting because like to some to some degree, like the you know the the more the less realistic elements of the movie, the the more abstract parts, uh, not always, but sometimes feel as if that was like a compromise made to like you know, appeal to children. Mm, mm-hmm. um, but also like, you know, that's also the stuff that like, you know, is also very, you know, adult targeted in, in terms of what it's about. So I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go ahead. And, I know I've been talking a lot. I'm going to try to say the thing that I think Joe and I are both thinking, um, which is that this movie is very good. It's nearly perfect for me at least. Um, <laughs> and the thing that we've been like, the beginning of the movie feels sort of like, aha, like, we are Pixar, like, this is what death looks like, like, this is our, you know, like, like, if Pixar made a movie about waffles, and there was, like, a waffle world, you'd be like, haha, like, waffle gimmicks, like, for the first, like, you know, while, it's like Inside Out, like, you go into this movie, and the exposition is all, these are where the souls are born, they're kind of cute, aren't they, look, look at them, they're so cute, and like, oh, like, the personalities, these are the steps, and like, oh, we have a couple fun sets, like the, what was the Hall of, Hall of, memories all of you know. memories hall of everything and these are the kinds of things like really reminded me of inside out and also coco like oh this is like our funny cartoon representation of the death world or whatever um and that's kind of the worst part of the movie is the beginning um where you kind of get into this and it, it, it's it's sort of like yeah like i've kind of seen this before in inside out like this isn't as funny as i thought it would be uh but then that drops off very quickly and it's it sort of like you said joe like this movie gets better as it goes uh, and it, it's not that that stuff's actually bad because you sort of need it. You need it to get to where you're going. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it's sort of, you're right, it's sort of sacrificed. It's sort of like, oh, like, yeah, we got to do this. But like, it, it's building to something better. This isn't actually the part that's good, which is, it sort of is in like Inside Out, right? Where they're like, oh, the train of thought. That's like a third act thing or the second act. And you're like, you're like, haha, that's like, you're still getting me with these gimmicks. You know what I mean? Um and Soul sort of flies right by that to try to do something more. Um, and it, it doesn't, like, that. that's why it's so weak at the beginning, because you're like, this isn't as good of a world as the other movies. And then you realize that things are changing, like, things change midway. Um, and that's right. more interesting. It's so, Absolutely. Yeah, man, I, tot- I totally agree. Like, the, um, after the, uh, I think you make a really interesting point about, like, this movie totally diverges from the normal Pixar stuff. Um, maybe around the point that they go back into like the real world and it's like the body switching stuff. Mm. And at first you're like, Oh, this is a little bit like I'm rolling my eyes at this, you know, like it's freaky Friday. Right. Um, but you know, then it, then you like realize over the course of the movie that this is like the thing that needed that to happen for like both of these people to realize their individual um problems which is and it like you're right it feels gimmicky at first and then just keeps going into like the meat of the characters yeah basically what happens is that the the 22 falls into the body of joe and joe falls into the body of the the a cat not the cat a cat at that point um yeah. and there's a lot of gags about that which are like okay funny if i, if I was a kid that would be the best part. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's actually nice to be back in the city and you thought you would be in the soul world for a while. At least I did. Um, yeah. So. And I was very glad to be back. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I was so glad. Yeah, the city uh, was nice. Do you want to talk about the, 
animations. I mean, the city was beautiful. Sure, yeah. Um, beautiful. I don't know if um, I don't know if like any of us quite have like the technical language to talk about. You know, just what makes it so beautiful. It's but pretty. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, the hair. You know, it is a an astonishingly uh, like gorgeous movie. Um, and I wish that I could have had the experience of seeing it on the big screen. Um, I, I, you know, I kept thinking I would have loved to see this in a movie theater. Um, I would have seen this like twice or three times in a movie theater or something. I don't know. I maybe wouldn't have actually done that, but I, I would have loved to see it in a movie theater. So just to be clear, I'm looking at some pictures of, um, the movie Brave, which came out, um, you know, not too long ago, probably a bit under a decade ago. 2012, movie, I think. 2012, like less less than eight years ago, or you know, some nine or eight years ago, and and this movie is like, not that Brave is like a super ugly movie, but that was Pixar at the time trying to do like this very realistic or not realistic, but very detailed human people, um, and just do that for the entire movie, and it like it, it looks okay. But in contrast with like with like what Soul's doing, it's there's no comparison. It's it, it's crazy. The, mm-hmm. There's like so much detail to every single person, and there's like you know every single character has like tons of clothes that are like super detailed in this. They have like individual ways of moving. It's just it's so everything about this world is so specific. Um, it's so highly detailed, and it's so cool. Yeah, second second check on any Pixar discussion. Wow, the animation way better than the last movie. Um, <laughs> so that that check is definitely filled here. Um, I think this. I mean, so, so Onward is also, I think, a, a very nice looking movie. I think it is kind of weak in terms of like the the general aesthetic. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but you know, you know, yeah. um, this movie was funny. I was looking at the credits because uh, I was waiting if there was an end credit scene, and I saw. Hair, I think hair and something else like supervisor of the rendering of that stuff. Um, I also saw that. Which I'm assuming is just like the hair of the characters, which was kind of really it funny to see. Yeah, it takes place in New York. Um, and I think especially those those scenes are something special rather than the, the fantasy world they have created. Um, so it's so much more fun just to be on the subway and on the, the street and, you know, at the jazz club, like especially the jazz club and the jazz performances. I thought were super beautiful. And the, and the character design too, I thought was just because there were a lot of black characters, but I thought, I forgot her name. Um, the woman, the sax player, um, her especially. Oh, I also forget. She was the perfect like blend between, wow, all those details and wow, like also a cartoon. Uh, I think her, Dor- Dorothea, right? Dorothea. Yeah, name. Dorothea Williams. That's the character. Yeah. She, all right, look, I remembered a character name, Joe. Did yeah. You, did you hear me? Are you proud? I'm so proud of you, Nick. Um, yeah, and just the lights there were great. Um, no, I thought, you know, I thought that was something we have to mention. And I thought it was really mm-hmm. nice. Dude, I'm looking at this picture, I guess the poster for this movie. Just talking about character design. Just how, like, man, Joe Gardner's face. It's just, like, welcoming you into his world. You know, which I guess is how all Pixar movies sort of, like, Pixar characters look. Yes, the Pixar face. It's like, yeah, yeah. The Pixar, like, I'm a friendly guy and I'm going to welcome you into, you know, my wonderful world. And I feel like, I feel like it just gets better and better as it goes on. 
because I'm just I'm just like very ready to be drawn into Joe Gardner's world. That's what I have to say. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, keep up the good work, Pixar. Let's say. Yeah. Um, moving back towards like the actually talking about uh, sort of the plot. Um, you know, one of the things that I love most about this movie, um, sort of the thing that maybe pushes it above and beyond into probably being like you know best pixar territory or whatever you have uh you know i'm i really like the moral compass of the movie and sort of the the philosophizing it does about life um you know i i it, i think it hit me kind of hard in the moment because i i um i i i think like joe i tend to also think a lot in terms of like life having a specific purpose like you have to you know be good at this one thing that you were predetermined to be good at uh and or otherwise you know what are you even doing with your life um and i i i I just love where this movie ends up you know which is that you know to some extent life is just kind of worth living because it's life (laughs) um i don't know i think that's really beautiful in the way they express it yeah it's very uh i mean it reminds me a lot of the stuff i've read about buddhism honestly um just sort of being mindful of what you're enjoying um and it's a lot of stuff that i've like really bought into philosophically when i was like searching for uh you know some sort of uh justification to be here um and i think it's uh i think it's really cool that all of that is in this movie um and it feels very um i think i I think you're right nick in that it's like something that a lot of movies don't tackle is just like meaning of life and how like some people you know like you know feel kind of like they need something to like give them some meaning which is where like you know all this philosophy comes in or whatever but you know it's good to see sort of something that i feel is like really um sort of coherent and optimistic and something that i fits with um i guess really the only way to say it is that it fits with my worldview but um but i was really happy to see that in a movie yeah, I mean, it's very compelling. And we, we sort of get something I like about this movie more than a lot of movies is that we get not one, but two sort of two sort of very compelling character arcs to me. I, I mean, you get Joe, Definitely. which is probably more interesting, but 22 sort of in Joe's body going around New York, you know, learns just to 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 want to be alive, which is like kind of crazy. And like, I really liked watching in a sort of cute way. I was like, like, it, for me, Something that actually wasn't that much in the movie, but I thought was great was like the way that, you know, 22 has never been born before operated Joe's body and like the way that, that she wanted to do things. Like they were all very tactile experiences. Like she, she picked up all this random garbage. Like some, I think my favorite part is when like she just lies down on like the air vent in New York. Like I, I was like, wow, like that's so silly. Like I would, you know, no one would ever do something like that you know but but it's like you also think about it and you're like oh man maybe that would feel good exactly yeah like that would feel good and she like picks up all this garbage off the street and like you're like okay cool like she like enjoys the lollipops so much that like she like wants to get more like it's just like like just being so excited by the simplest things and i mean that definitely comes back this is not something that i've sort of incited upon it's more like definitely spelled out but you know she's just like yeah i like walking like i really like walking around like i, I like doing like i like eating lollipops and pizza and like and then joe says something which is probably my favorite line in the movie you know it gets repeated in in a sort of 
remember when he said that mean thing, but um, he's like, he's like, yeah, like those are just, that's just regular life. That's not the exciting or good part of life. Um, and it comes back as obviously a uh, surprise. Mm-hmm. It was, it was the good thing all along. Uh, but that resonated with me. And I, I really, I just, I enjoyed it in the moment. And then I enjoyed it when they, they sort of came back to it as sort of the whole point of the movie. Um, and I thought that was just like really great to watch because it's such a, it's such a different lens and it's so simple but you can you can take something away from it. Yeah. yeah. And they really it's also great just because it's like you know, they kind of end up in the same place. Like they come to the same conclusion. Um and I feel like it's such a common maybe not the right way to phrase it as misconception, but maybe a um a common thought process is like I'm not living life right now. You know, life comes later after I've done this big thing. Um, and it's just, it's, it's, I guess, I, I guess we keep hammering this in, but it's such a, a relevant series of questions to be handling. Um, yeah. And it does it so smoothly. Yeah, I thought it was a really good twist. I'll, I'll be quick. It just, uh, you know, they sort of set it up classic Pixar, like, oh, haha, like you need the three stickers and one of the stickers is your purpose for living and then you can live. That's how the souls get their pass or whatever. Um, and I thought that was a really good play on their sort of usual formula where in the end, the pass isn't a specific, you know, passion or whatever, like Joe thought. I thought that was, I thought that was a good use of sort of what I expected, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like what they say. Like we don't assign passions here. I don't know where you got that idea. Just yeah, right. yeah. And it also, I was, I mean, a while ago, I was looking into like, I, I've I've periods of my time where I get really into like behavioral science and like figuring out like, you know, what um, sort of um, uh, what makes our brains tick. Like, what is the um what's going on there. And I, I think it's interesting because that actually, it matches up like a lot of, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that passions and like things that you're passionate about are not like genetic at all. There's something that you develop by just like doing them over and over and over again. And by doing something over and over and over again, you learn to like see the beauty in that thing and see why it's important. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Yeah, seems legit. Thanks for backing that movie up with science, Ben. Um, That's what I think that was a perspective for. we don't usually get on the show. So <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm bringing, bringing the third heat in on that. Um, yeah. Um, so I mean, those things we've kind of gone through it. Um, you know, at the end, the movie sort of just has a moment of. Oh, I guess we should say it has a happy ending. You know, this movie. It does. I really, you know, because because he gives twenty two the pass, so she can go live her life. And then he's he's ready to go into the afterlife. He's going on that little after escalator. What I man. thought he was going to die. I really did. I was like, I thought he was going to die huh? too. I thought he was going to die too. So I was like, I was I so relieved when that very charming astral lady comes in. And um, I also think it's the it's the perfect thematic button on the movie. You know, because like, what would all this be worth? What would all this be for if he if he didn't get to live? Yeah. You know. I think I mean, it would have still worked because it would be for 22's life, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's it an interesting worked, but Yeah. 
there's an interesting comparison, which I know I think you guys have talked about previously on the show. Um, Midnight Gospel, right? Kind of about similar themes often. Ends in kind of the opposite way of that, of like accepting death. Sorry, that's a huge spoiler for Midnight Gospel. Um, maybe if you interpret it in the right way. Um, but I think it's, I mean, I think it's interesting that both of those came out in the year. And the point I'm trying to make is that when that happened, I was like, oh man, they're going to pull a Midnight Gospel. They're going to like really try to like freaking challenge us with this ending. And they didn't. But also, I think it was the right ending. They could have. I know they didn't do it for the kids. Uh, that I'm sure of. Um, <laughs> I don't know why they did it, but it made me so happy. Um, and I think it was just overall a better way to come out of that movie. I'm just happy, you know, because it's about being happy. And I do, I do think that both both of them would have been appropriate. That's, I agree. Also, I think that if he died, it would have worked thematically. Um, yeah, like neither of them. It's somehow you got to like this moment where like after a certain point in the movie, they said what they needed to say and the plot just needed to wrap itself up. You know, the the movie did what it needed to do and the plot could have wrapped up in any way. And it was just, I've ne- I, I feel like I've never seen that in a movie before where, um, or may- I, I guess I've, I've, that's maybe too general of a statement, but I've never, I've never been this impacted by a movie and then realized that it couldn't have ended in exactly the same way and i wouldn't have felt or or felt the same way. that yeah. this sentence is falling apart at the seams but it could, it could have ended either way you know yeah yeah <laughs> i'm glad they went with the happy ending um you know he was going up there he was ready for death and then the the the, the lady made of lines the two-dimensional lady who i thought was really charming i jerry jerry was so charming all the jerry's were so charming and beautiful and i i just i didn't get to say that earlier so i'm saying it now she allows him to have life again and he just he's like i don't know what i'm gonna do with my life but i am certainly gonna live it um and that's kind of how the movie ends yeah yeah i think um you know sort of to wrap things up uh i think this is a movie that i went into this conversation really liking and i think i like it more now that we've had this conversation hey, i agree yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's a great movie like it's it's really something special um I think it'll be better on a second watch, at least for me, because I was sort of worried. I'm always a little. I was just thinking about that. I'm a little like, like oh, where's this going? But this time, I think I'll appreciate the subtleties more. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, I think the voice acting's great. I guess we didn't say that. Um, yeah. Especially the celestial Jerry's. I thought the the Terry was very funny, Terry and, and beautiful. Um, and I thought, I guess that's Tina Fey. Tina Fey was good. It's 22. She was. Her usual self. She did a good job. She's probably done an animated movie before, I assume. Mm-hmm. I don't know though. And uh, Jamie Fox, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Jamie Fox, good job. I forgot it was yeah. Jamie Fox. Um, I think I think he's got a a deceptively complicated role to nail here, and I think he does a fantastic job. Oh yeah, I mean, oh, this time I salvage his career post amazing spider-man 2 <laughs> isn't he isn't he coming back as that yes <laughs> that's great great for him. okay we don't we don't have time to discuss that and i also am not interested in hey, discussing Joe, we've been talking for like more than an hour but um maybe now's the time to get into a spider-verse discussion <laughs> potential 
potential split. I don't not right now. <laughs> no, I, I think some other things we can mention. I mean, I, I I have some other things. I thought his relationship with his mother was subtle and beautiful and great, and I really like that there's some mystery left in this movie. Um, you know, with Joe and what's he gonna do? Like, there's this mention of a romantic possibility thing going on. Yeah, they just never address it again. But it was great. Like, it makes the world feel bigger, and I'm excited for him. You know to live. I, I agree. Like I thought that the student, his student who had a name um, and played the uh, the instrument that you pull your arm out a lot, I thought that she was great and <laughs> functioned well. Um, it, you know, I kind of thought through this movie that they were going to aim towards, oh, after all, Joe wants to be a teacher. Um, but they didn't. Exactly. It goes for so much, something so much bigger. Exactly. And another thing we have to mention, that uh, there's just so many good things in this movie, is the uh dorothea yes i remembered uh dorothea has a scene with joe after they perform together where he's sort of unsatisfied he's like i expected you know bigger pleasure from this from achieving my dream you know um and she tells a great story about a fish um yeah and that's probably the best part of the movie um and i can't have, you, have you heard that story before no have you i have heard that story ah, that's yeah. so sad well that's so sad for you two because that was the best way to experience that story. Yeah, that's and what I was thinking. I was like, voice acting there too. Was... Don't know who voice acted that, but it was great. It was uh, Angela Bassett. Anyway, we've talked for a long time. <laughs> Joe is aching to go to the bathroom. He is aching. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I... He's very um, worried about the editing he's going to have to do. He's stressed. Yeah, exactly. Um I'm glad, Ben, that you joined us to have this conversation. Oh, of course. because of the meddlings of one Jew. That's not anti-Semitic. The writer was Jewish. It was his fault that everything became so screwish. My name is George Lucas, your host for the night. I regret this story may be a cause for some fright. It starts with our protagonist, just home from the movies. He was so very depressed, feeling quite poopy. Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, up there on screen, that's right. This story does take place in 2019. Gosh, that Rise of Skywalker. What a rotten flick. It makes me so angry that things ended up like that. What a what a disservice to these characters in the, the previous movies. It almost makes me wish this whole darn franchise didn't exist. Wait, that's it. I can go back in time and stop the box office success of the original film. All I need to do is convince George Lucas of what a horrible disaster these movies became. And a time machine, of course. And so he did it, working all through the evening. 
pride in his big heart, the young man fully believing that what he did there that night, and across time of course, would bring peace to the galaxy, even without the Force. Well, that was easy. All I had to do to get George Lucas on board was to hand him ten dollars. I guess inflation wasn't so bad in the year 1977. Hmm. I better go tell Nick about what I've done. I guess that would also be a good way of checking on any changes in the timeline. Here I am, sitting in my home, nothing to do. Nick, big news! Who are you? And how did you get into my house? Never mind. Wait, you don't know who I am? No, I've never seen you before in my entire life. That's... that's impossible. How could deleting Star Wars from our timeline have such an enormous ripple effect as to make it so that Nick and I had never even met? In fact, that must mean that our podcast doesn't even exist in this timeline. Excuse me, sir, but you're talking nonsense. Timelines? Ripple effects? Podcasts? Wow. You, you really don't remember anything. Can you tell me about uh, what life is like here? Uh, sure. Things aren't so bad, aside from Mussolini 2.0's ironclad grip on the planet. Mussolini 2.0? Yeah, it's kind of the worst. But hey, you mentioned Star Wars earlier. Though my dad died a long time ago, I grew up hearing stories from my uncle about the two things he loved in life. Some holiday called Christmas, and an old cult classic movie called Star Wars. Wow, really? I guess some people ended up seeing it after all. Not so much. It was a cult classic in the same sense that my dad was a cult of one. Star Wars only ever played for like two weeks at a small locally owned movie theater in Philadelphia. He saw it five times before it got closed. That's pretty impressive. I guess so. It wasn't so much later that Mussolini 2.0 took over and turned outlawing Christmas. Wow. I can't believe that getting rid of Star Wars would have such a catastrophic effect on human history. You keep saying things like that. Who are you? I'm Joe. The other day, I, I, I built a time machine and I traveled back to 1977 and prevented the box office success of the film Star Wars. In my previous timeline, there was no Mussolini 2.0 and Christmas wasn't outlawed. You and I were friends and together we hosted a radio show. This time machine... We can use it to undo your mistake and fix the future? Yeah, that's right. I'll uh, I'll have to find another way to get rid of Rise of Skywalker, but without entirely removing Star Wars from history. And thus, Joe time-leapt back once again. With Nick at his side, those former co-hosts hardly knew they were in for a ride. Here we are. California, 1977. I've taken us back to a little while after I initially left, so that we wouldn't run into me from the past. Makes sense. Where can we find this George Lucas guy? Well, after I gave him $10, he mentioned going off to retire in Hawaii. I'll bet we can come off at the airport. The two journeyed all over to find the filmmaker. I could not retire to north of the equator. They found I had gone a quick flight to Vegas, I guess it made sense, I was feeling somewhat aimless. The two sped to their time machine, hoping to catch me, but it had been crushed by a speeding Apache. This is just awful. The dang car destroyed my contraption. Now, even if we find him, we'll, we'll never get back to the 21st century. 
Hey, calm down, man. We can rent a car and take it to Vegas. Then we can find Lucas and return the timeline to normal. You're right. Let's, uh, let's hit the road. And so they did, driving across the state's eastern border. But nightfall was soon, and they wanted to dodge sleep disorder. Nick and Joe set up camp by the road, making a fire. But twas hard not to speak of a future so dire. I still can't believe that my one action caused a timeline so terrible. I guess that's the butterfly effect and stuff. Why were you so set on changing the past anyway? On getting rid of Star Wars? Well, in my time, they had just released a, a terrible movie. Worse than any I'd ever seen before. I wanted to make it so that movie never existed. Wait, really? That's ridiculous. You're telling me that in your timeline there was no Mussolini 2.0 and you gave it all up to get rid of some bad movie? We don't even have movies where I'm from. We don't even have Christmas. Look, it was a really bad movie. I can't believe that I would be friends in any timeline with such a selfish and short-sighted sap, much less one where we have a radio show together. Hey, maybe if you hadn't forced us to go back in time again, we wouldn't have gotten stuck here. That's rich. 1977's way better than living under the rule of Mussolini 2.0, man. Tension was brewing, but the boys soon got to sleep. Come morning, the two wordlessly entered the jeep. They made their way to Vegas and into the airport. Lo, there George Lucas was standing. They had to abort. Mr. Lucas, it's me again. Uh, listen, I, I need my money back. It was all a horrible mistake. Hmm? No way. I'm playing the slots and then straight to Hawaii for old Georgie. Nick, there's there's no getting through to him. There's no hope. What? You're giving up? Darn it, man. You're denying me, all of us, a chance at a better future. Mussolini 2.0, man! Maybe I just cannot bear to live in a world where Rise of Skywalker exists, okay? I can't live in a world where they ruin Star Wars like that. Excuse me, but it sounds like that movie I made means a lot to you. If you care so much, isn't it worth it to take the good things despite the bad? Doesn't a movie, and Christ Mass for that matter, hold their real meeting in your heart? No bad sequel can possibly change that. And also, Mussolini 2.0, that, well, that doesn't sound too good. You're right. Mr. Lucas, I, I need you to keep making these movies, and I need my $10 back. Yeah, okay. I wasn't too set on Hawaii anyway. But I'm keeping the money. Joe, I remember everything. Our podcast, Star Wars, we, we must have fixed the timeline. Th that's great, but our time machine is still gone. We're stuck in 1977. Time machine, you say? We invented those bad boys at ILM years ago. You can take one of ours, of course. It's only a short ride away. Well, that's everything. See you boys around. Goodbye, George. Thank you. For everything. It was an honor, gentlemen. I'd also like to personally thank you for Baby Yoda. Baby what? Oh, it's nothing. Don't worry about it. Well, I won't. At least, 
not for 42 more years. <laughs> We have fun here. Nick, do you have a do yeah. you have a wise quote for us to close up? Joe, I have a wise quote because I'm always prepared and I have one. Okay. Mm-hmm. This one's from our boy, Benjamin Franklin. Unless he did some questionable shit that I don't know about, which he probably did. So not our friend. I think Anyways. in terms of the founding fathers, he's one of the better ones. <laughs> well, that's great, but I I'm sure he did some and bad shit that will come like to light. The abacus. All right, listen. listen he invented the abacus. No, he didn't. That doesn't make any sense. Didn't he invent the abacus? Ben, there's no way the abacus didn't exist like 4,000, 5,000 years ago. You and sound insane. the newspaper. Fun fact, he did. No, he, the almanac. <laughs> <laughs> and the pro-con list, Joe. He ended the pro-con list. Okay, really? Nick, uh, pro-con Nick, what's your quote? <laughs> Make yourself sheep and the wolves will eat you. All of those Benjamin Franklin quotes are various levels of true. I want to be clear that Benjamin Franklin, you know, only did two. One of the things that I said, and he it's also historically questionable. It's historically questionable that he did. <laughs> yep. Thank you for listening to Out of Our Heads, a comics and pop culture podcast from the minds of Joe Bortner and Nick Protopapis, with special guest Ben Bortner. Uh, you can contact us at Out of Our Heads Pod at gmail.com, where you can send us letters hypothetically or tell us about books you want covered on the show um you know uh ben do you have anything to promote sure my youtube channel is uh where i post video essays and sometimes short films uh it's ben bortner on youtube and i'm part of the institute sketch comedy which you can also just look up on youtube and then my website is benbortnermovies.com pretty cool pretty cool uh you know we'll be back next week in the meantime uh you can rate and review us on itunes it would uh help us out um stay safe and uh see you soon